0: In five, four,
1: three.
2: Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode seventy-two, proudly hosted by North Central Indiana's Rock ninety-eight point five. It's been an interesting few weeks here for the Wanderings crew. Great music in vastly different genres. Last week we reviewed Joji's nectar, and this week we are reviewing Corey Taylor's CMFT. All the while, Public Enemy's latest is stewing in the background with poignant lyrics about politics and beautiful reunions with old friends, the Beastie Boys and Run DMC. It's too much goodness at one time, but tonight we're going to eat the elephant one bite at a time with Corey Taylor. We're going to take a look back at 1998 and. Uh, Gonna do it with my friends. I'm your host, Foggy. Joining me tonight are JPP,
1: Easy Listening Sounds for the Hard of
2: Hearing. It's JPP. Wild amphibians <laughs> and metalhead Bundy.
3: Step inside into his mind. It's boy band time. It's
2: metalhead Mundy.
3: Going on, guys.
2: And last but never least,
0: T-Bag. Swinging deep into the valleys of Leptonia. That's nasty. Able to plunge from high altitudes, only to land with a gentle splat. That's
1: nasty.
3: Receiving only the finest education from his instructor, Earl Gray. It's it's teabags too hot for TV.
0: How's it going? Yeah, Welcome, you gentlemen. Don't, you don't want teabags dragging from behind. That's for sure. No. Never wanted... once in your
2: old age. <laughs> The tip to the bag, it's a race to the ground.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You heard it say that. (laughs) I think you just did. (laughs) JPP, you got the axe with you tonight. What's going on? Oh, I've just been noodling with the guitar a lot lately. I've come to realize in my older years that if uh, I don't spend some time with a musical instrument, I get a little pent up. So my kind of like... People lift weights and de-stress. I like to riff on some heavily distorted guitar and de-stress. Do you have anything to share? Um, not at the moment. I do have a video on YouTube. I've been there's a song I've been working on for a long time. I published it about a year ago in March. It's called Wide Eyed View, and I've been kind of jamming on that a little bit and just working on new solos and stuff. You know how it is. You you uh, work on something, you when you go back and revisit it, be it music or poetry, whatever medium you choose. So I've been just kind of noodling with that and adding new harmonies and just enjoying it. it was It's a nine minute opus and uh, a big undertaking for me back when I wrote it, but a lot of fun, and I've just been in the mood to jam on it.
1: Fantastic. So I'll put a link
0: I'll put a link in the show notes so if anybody wants to I admit mean, to one of my friends actually to it, comment and have you know that I listened to this while I was on the toilet and I finished the entire song, and I was like, "Congratulations, my work here is done." <laughs> <laughs> Very cool,
2: Paul um so i we're not gonna do public enemy but have you guys had a chance to dig in at all to that
3: i've not listened to the whole thing i've listened to uh maybe the front half or so but yeah it's pretty sweet
0: yeah i've listened yeah. to it twice and dug the hell out of it it was a, yeah it was it's funny because it's like it has a lot of that old school flair you know it's like some of the way that some of the beats are but then it has kind of a new edge and then of course once you hear Chuck D, you just kind of melt right back into, you know, what, what you were feeling back in the day. Cause it's like, ah, oh, you know, he, he has a lot of hard things to say, but you can't help but feel a little comforted by his voice.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I cannot get away from the record. It's so good. And it really does take me back to those old records. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it, it definitely, of course, because Chuck has a lot to say about the current state of the country uh, but there's some so there's just like a lot of cool things in here, like the Beastie Boys hitting Paul Revere, mm-hmm. adding that back in with the song with Run DMC, which was mm-hmm. super cool.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: One really cool thing was, uh, I don't know if you guys got through the entire thing, but uh, Flav at the end singing the song to a friend that he lost, which was like the most genuine thing that Flav has ever done. Yeah, really a cool song.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: check that out.
0: Yeah, you well, yeah. it's just it's a testament to the artists evolving, you know what I mean? And it's just cool to see that, you know, Flav had an intimate mo- moment on this record. Yeah. But not that I don't, you know, ever want Flav to get away from the big clocks and uh yeah, boys, because that's mm-hmm. where it's at. So <laughs> Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the way the the Beastie Boys kinda had that intro banter on their track too. Just it was just fun to hear them again.
1: Yeah, definitely hearing their voices were were great. And I haven't got through it yet. I've got about three songs but that- uh, that's definitely my Monday morning listening
0: soundtrack, Tomorrow with Coffee. So. Cool. Yeah. Well, you'll oh, just need Decaf because it'll wake you up on its own. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I hope yes. so. It's Chuck Decaf. Let's get this going.
1: <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, seriously, though, people need to listen to it because Chuck D is and – I, and I love that it referred back to um, – I think there was a comment in there about the, being the black CNN, which Chuck yeah. had made that comment. Way back Way in the back. day. Yeah. Um, and he is. I mean, he is seriously so knowledgeable. And uh, this really does speak to uh, the current society and the injustice that's going on. So I think people will really get into it. And it has that old school vibe, which is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Solid I four it. and a half here. So that's uh, my long, <laughs> yeah.
0: long story short.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Fantastic. And speaking of old school, we're going back to 1998 with Paul. Yeah, hey guys, that's me in 1998.
0: How you doing? No,
3: <laughs> no, it was That was not you in 1998. No,
0: you're right. I had long hair. And, uh, hey, how you doing?
3: <laughs> Let's rewind
0: and start over. Hi folks. I was Paul and I had long hair and big glasses and uh, uh, didn't know who I was at all back then. However, in 1998, I worked in record stores and uh, I challenged these guys to flip the table they are the record store employees and their job is to sell me the customer an album they're listening to in 98 or albums for that matter uh that was one thing that i always got fired up doing was customer came in anything cool out what are you into and nine times out of ten i'm usually talking about what i was into and you know some some people were more leaning towards hooting the blowfish and looking for something like that versus some of the more intense music i was into but we nonetheless have a good, engaging yeah. conversation, and sometimes they would buy and come back and say, hey, that was awesome. What else is like that? So, Your turn. Hey, Paul. Yeah. Before we
2: get started, what made you choose 1998?
0: I just thought that was a nice throwback year. Uh, that was kind of the time that I struggled in record store industry because I went from more of an indie shop with Karma to more of the mall corporate. Same yes. Goody entity. So the playlist certainly changed. It was okay at eight AM you're listening to the Men in Black soundtrack. And then at nine, it is time to pop on this R and B tune or whatever pops, you know, Celine Dion is now up at noon, that kind of thing. So uh that was a complete struggle. And with that I really dug deep to try to find music that I would enjoy. And sometimes it was a nightmare in there because they didn't stock half the stuff that I would
3: enjoy. Yeah. I remember right. working there with you for a short time and I know I sold a hell of a lot of uh, Britney Spears first album.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yep. That, that was one, um, the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack, the Elton Creed. John. Creed. Creed yeah.
3: hit big, right? That Creed. first album. sold and, a lot of
0: that, uh, you know, when uh, Princess Diana passed away, Elton John's oh, single, yeah. I could mm-hmm. not keep that in stock. So yep. We had the whole back behind the counter just completely loaded with Candle in the Wind CDs and singles and have to refill it every day. So, you know, I I learned a lot about the market in terms of what was really Mm -hmm. popular because, you know, at Karma, it was like, oh, yeah, man, we got the metal. Yeah, we got the, you know, experimental stuff. Come on, check this out. (laughs) Imports, all Uh that good stuff.
3: Definitely a different vibe between the two places. Indeed.
0: Indeed. So... You know, that was a soul-searching moment in my life. So 1998 it is.
2: All right, so Monday, other than buying every single Britney Spears CD that came into the shop, what else did you buy and want to sell to Paul?
3: (laughs) Okay, are we ready for my pitch then? Oh, I'm ready. Yeah, ready. Hey. so I see Paul walking into the store and, hey, man, I see you're wearing a KMFDM shirt there. You like like, uh, KMFDM ministry, Nine Inch Nails, that kind of industrial stuff?
0: Sure. Never heard of them. I'm kidding.
3: <laughs> I know you had a KMFDM shirt then. I still do. Yeah. Huh. So, so I got this band that you might like. If you're into that kind of stuff, I wanted you to check out this band, Stabbing Westward. They just put out a new album, their third album. It's called Darkest Days. And uh, uh, it's pretty apt titles, kind of their darkest album so far. Uh, they definitely, their sound has evolved from on these three albums they've put out so far and um they've really kind of mastered this blend they got you know the electronic sounds the keyboards and samples and loops and all kinds of crazy sounds and they've they've mixed it with this uh heavy guitar sound and a lot of the songs on this one There's a few that are a little more moody, not quite so heavy, but they, you know, kind of punches in and out of that stuff, but uh, very emotional, pretty, pretty, pretty good stuff. And for this band, the kicker for me is their singer, Christopher Hall. This dude is unbelievable. Um, the, The pain in this guy's voice is just unreal. Uh, You you really feel every word he says. Um, I mean, it's like he's just opening his veins right in front of you and leaving it all on the table. You know, it's really some gut-wrenching stuff. So, uh, yeah, Darkest Days, man. It's right over here if you want to check it out.
0: Nice. Yeah, I had that album. I still have it, actually. (laughs) Excellent choice. I remember seeing Stabbing Westward a couple years later when they played the Vogue. It was like a $5 show. And uh, I was there with our buddy Jeff and – one of his buddies actually got all fired up and turned around and punched me right in the face <laughs> because he was just so into the music. And what's funny is I took the punch and I just looked at him like, Really? And the look on his face was like,
3: What did I just do?
0: <laughs> I don't remember yeah.
3: that, man. I must not, you guys were behind me. So I must not have been paying attention. Yeah. I remember somebody threw something at Chris Hall and he stopped the show yep and was like what the, what the fuck were you what are you doing man blah, blah, blah. and the guy was just, just like he had to be wasted and he was like yeah. i love you so much it's like if you love me why are you throwing shit at me <laughs> right and <laughs> but shortly- then they, they reconciled and continued the show <laughs> right
0: i remember shortly after that uh this one of the speaker grills fell off and was bouncing off that girl's head <laughs> i don't remember mm-hmm. that <laughs>
3: gosh yeah. yeah it was like interesting night
0: yes to say the least it's like i got my five bucks for this show that's for sure <laughs> and a punch well did i sell yeah. it or what no oh, yeah sold for sure <laughs>
2: sold
0: yeah. why don't you go ahead and give me this god lives underwater and uh this pissed on cd while you're at it too
3: funny <laughs> i have uh, actually have god lives underwater in the car right now <laughs> nice yeah i actually came across that cd that's what brought that up
2: I thought Monday was going to try to sell you Backstreet Boys, but...
0: No.
3: Yeah.
2: Darn it. It's more Mark, for him.
3: Paul and I aren't into all the same things. So. <laughs> <This>
2: is true. <laughs> all right, two bags. What do you have tonight? Okay, so... Hey, Paul. Hey. Uh, I was talking to my assistant
0: manager, Mundy, the other day, and he said that uh, he picked up the Static Westward album. He's, I thought he was the third key holder, but go on. You must have read his name tag. Um, yes. yeah. So, and I know you've been in here,
1: you know, asking for any promo posters for Nine Inch Nails and all that stuff. So, I thought I would see if you'd be interested in a pre order for Nine Inch Nails the Fragile that comes out next year. It's a double album. We've been waiting five years. Rumor has it, it'll be out in September of '99. So, if you want to just go ahead and drop that,
0: 18 bucks right now not a five dollar deposit okay
1: i know yeah it's full layaway with you know gotcha like the italian discount
0: thing on there yeah (laughs) yeah so you want to do this or well seeing as how you already know what's up with it and it's a double album 18 bucks is a steal go ahead okay cool so i can go with 98
1: there's just that was like i was telling you guys off the air it was just like the dead time for me i couldn't remember any album that I bought that came out that year that I actually just absolutely love. So,
3: Stabbing Westward was the first thing I thought of. And I, ha- I looked and I was like, Stabbing Westward discography and it, that popped up and it said 1998.
2: And I
0: was like, sweet. <laughs> yep.
2: Thank the Lord. Score. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, it would be interesting to see what the number one album was for
0: 98. Let me take a look actually. Somebody looked
2: see. that up. I'll tell you what, Paul, you looked that up while I... Pitch mine because yeah, you're go not going to care anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're just here for yeah. the money. So, yes. All right, Paul, this is what I'm selling you. I'm going to hold up the
0: picture right now. Let me get to my Zoom link, uh, page here. Paul's well, not looking, so he doesn't Jeff, care anyway. Jeff Buckley got it. I was Googling. So, anyway,
2: yeah. So, obviously, most of the people only know Jeff Buckley from Hallelujah, which mm-hmm. is a absolute travesty which i've said on here many times before um his first album grace was an absolute masterpiece there's so many great songs on there and then a few years later he died he was uh like a very spontaneous soul his concerts he would just do whatever he wanted they were very eclectic um he just did what he wanted and so one night he spontaneously jumped in a river take a swim and he passed away so what was left were these recordings for my sweetheart the drunk which came out in 1998 so a lot of the songs on this are recordings he made in his living room Um, some of them are when he was on the radio recording things or some are live so it's a very odd album Uh, some of the songs are better than others but there are some beautiful songs on here uh, jewel box I absolutely love I go back to all the time sky is a landfill so cool but the one that is just absolutely killer and it was played at his wet or his wedding sorry it was played at his funeral is satisfied mind and I think I had talked about that here on the show before too he's going to die with a satisfied mind it is a beautiful rendition that was played on the radio um, and he sang it live such a cool um,
0: two discs that that you guys should all go back and listen to if you haven't. Yeah. You know, it's funny at the time I would have passed on it because that wasn't my thing, but after going to college and meeting new people and, and Mm -hmm. kind of sitting in uh, and listening parties with other friends, this album was certainly turned to me in terms of somebody popped it on and kind of explained that scenario that you just described. And it kind of drew me in and I certainly appreciated the, the uh, intimacy of, of the performances on that for sure. So um, I'll say no for now, but see me in 2002, 2003, then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll buy, but you know, that was just the reality of it back then for sure. But yeah, it is certainly a great album that you know, at that time, well, later on, I should say, uh, there was an artist I found who uh, ended his life named Elliot Smith. He had a song called needle in the hay. And, uh, that was a, a really great song and he had some really great tunes as well. And I was always perplexed by you know, his choice. I mean, I couldn't get it in his head and didn't know what he was going through, but um, his music was somewhat brooding and very intimate too, and um, a tragic loss to say the least. Yeah.
1: Paul, you mentioned uh, listening parties too, and mm-hmm. that's something I miss. You know, obviously, none of us have that kind of free time hard anymore to do, but uh, mm-hmm. earlier this year, Spotify put out, uh, as a beta version, they put out group sessions. Mm-hmm. So you can, there. And uh, Kyle has been doing that. It's kind of harkens back to that day. It's kind—you of, don't have to be side by side. We happen to do it on this porch, but you can do it from anywhere. But mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty cool. So I know I know some of you guys are on Apple Music. I don't know if they have something similar, but mm-hmm. it, it's fun.
0: Yeah, definitely. Oh, if this was me having to turn any of you guys onto an album, one of my top choices would have been Mezzanine from Massive Attack that came out in
3: '98. Oh yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So
3: yeah, uh, mm-hmm.
0: other um. Notable mentions was Hello Nasty from the Beastie Boys, Ooh, Moon, yeah. Moon Safari by Air, uh, Neutral Milk Hotel had an album come out then, and that's kind of a cult classic for many people. It's an interesting listen, to say the least. Uh, as far as I can recall, I believe it's all four-track recordings, so it kind of has a lo-fi vibe, but it's very uh, artsy and very cool. Uh, One of my other favorite albums I didn't discover until like 2003 was Music Has the Right to Children by Boards of Canada. Mm. I bought that down in Florida when I was at a composers conference. I went to a a Virgin Records store with some buddies and loaded up on CDs with my per diem. I didn't uh, eat for a day and just stacked up on CDs. (laughs) And uh, yeah, what else was good that year? Uh, Garbage version 2.0 came out, Follow the Leader from Corn. You know, Ooh. so there, yeah, there's there's a oh, and science fiction from Uncle. That's a really cool. Nice yep. DJ Shadow, James Lavelle, and Beck's Mutations also came out that year. Yeah, PJ Harvey
1: had something I can't remember what it was that came out. I started liking it later on, mm-hmm. like you like you did with Jeff Buckley. But um, also, I looked up the number one on Billboard was the Titanic soundtrack.
0: Yep. Oh, God. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, to my All dismay, right. when I said Celine Dion, that's exactly what I was talking about, that we had to listen to that soundtrack so much. Yeah. So. I thought uh, Follow the Leader was earlier. Great record. Mm-hmm.
2: For some yep. reason, I was thinking that was earlier. Let's see the no. self-tied.
3: Yeah, yeah self-tri- their first came album out. came out in 94, so it was probably 94, 96, 98 for them. Yep.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Yep. But at that time, time was kind of flying. At the same time, because you know we were all young adults trying to find our way with our menial jobs and all that good stuff. Yeah, I was I was having children, so oh well, that makes one of us. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> just uh, just for S's and G's, where was everybody working in 1998?
0: I was at Stam Goody, and that was the year I quit, and I started working for a recording studio. Mm-hmm. A buddy of mine opened one locally. It was in the Chamber of Commerce building. And uh, he had me run the place. And I I learned a lot there. I really cut my teeth on uh, a ton of techniques and productions. And ultimately, I got to do some mixing work for a guy that did kind of jingle music for the Pacers. So I would get it all bounced to ADAT and then convert it to CD and fly down to Indianapolis and drop drop it off at his place. And then he would use it as an accompaniment track and he would perform at Pacers games and uh, some commercial work and things like that. He ended up uh, drawing up the, the studio side of it because he, he wrote Pearl scripts and a lot of CGI and all that stuff back in the day, refresh rate, chat rooms and that kind of stuff. So um, he needed to focus on that, unfortunately, but it was a great, great opportunity. And then once he did that, I started working for a guitar shop that was... Uh, around the corner from the other guitar shops on of music that I worked for seven years. So sold yeah. a lot of, a lot of band instruments and a lot of guitar and really started to kind of get into the industry full swing.
1: Gotcha. I was, Andy? um, I love, Oh,
0: sorry. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. T so I was just
1: gonna say I left Sam's club retail, which was fun mm-hmm. to get. I went to a print shop. And so that was my first like real kind of dive into what my career would eventually be.
0: Nice. Is was that the uh uh one that was over by the the deli? Yeah, Sir Speedy.
1: It was okay, over there yeah. by. Okay.
0: Yeah. That, uh, and was it Schlatsky's? Is that the name of the place?
1: Schlatsky's <laughs> uh, <laughs> and my favorite muffin in bagel uh, yep. Oh yep. yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Lundy. Um. And let's see. Ninety-eight. I was in. I was at Farmore, which does not exist mm. anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: With um, my sister.
3: Yes, I did. I worked with Paul's sister. Um. She harassed me constantly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Runs in the (laughs) family. And uh, I was also doing like second jobs. I think I worked, well, I worked at Sam Goody, I think. Yeah. You did a Christmas season? Yeah. And then I worked, uh, I did a seasonal thing at Target, I think around that time too.
0: Fun. Steve?
2: I was working, I believe at that time at CVS. And I was going to school full time to get my teaching license and we had clay in that wow. year. So okay. I was going, I was working uh, at school, like doing my student teaching from seven in the morning until three. And then I went to work from three 30 to 11. And then I came home and uh, took night duty with clay. Well, he
0: would whine all night and we'd watch sports center at two in the morning. Nice. Wow. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> Uh, here's a fun memory of Farmor. Speaking of nothing like, uh, hey, we're going to go see a movie. Let's go raid the candy section at Farmor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fill our pockets, yeah. go to the movie.
3: Yeah.
0: Right yeah. across the street. Yeah. And then the, the vending machine, when you got the Farmor brand pop, it was only like a quarter instead of having to pay 50 cents for everything.
3: Yeah. They had, uh, didn't they? I think that's right. And then they had like name brand Cokes and stuff for like 35 cents or yep. something.
0: Yep. It's like, I oh, damn it, I don't have the dime. I'll just get the strawberry yeah. pop. <laughs> well, anything was cheaper than the movies. So. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Yeah. No kidding.
3: I just remember one thing I always remember about Farmore is we we were like one of the only stores around town that still carried tab.
0: Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Ab from the 80s. <laughs> yeah. And for those who don't know what Pharma was, it was basically a large pharmacy that was half grocery store and just a small pharmacy section. And then they had the coolest <laughs> little, little tiny video rental section where you get the old NES cartridges and all that junk.
3: <laughs> yep. Yeah. We had a video rental section and they had like the liquor store. You could always tell. If uh, like a middle-aged guy walked in by himself and grabbed a cart and went around a certain corner, you knew he was going straight to the liquor store.
1: Yep. Yeah, <laughs> it was a uh, for us, Indiana people. It was basically Greentown with a roof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: So yeah. This is the
0: truth. That's great. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> <sighs> Memories. Yes, indeed. Challenge. Yeah, thanks, man. I, I thought that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, I certainly miss some of the record store days, and there are still some that are thriving, and I try to support them when I can, but I'm not going into any right now. But I've ordered a few pieces of vinyl that I need to catch up and start listening to. So the addiction continues.
2: Yeah, for sure. All right, gentlemen. Excellent job. And so that brings us to the album review this week. And like I said, we had, uh, you know, Last week we had Public Enemy we didn't get to do and uh, talked about that briefly. But Corey Taylor came out with CMFT on Friday night and also his live show. I don't know if you guys have seen any of that. Um, yeah. We had a party that night, so I wasn't able to purchase that. But a couple of the songs have appeared on YouTube. Fantastic. So let's get talking about CMFT.
3: Sounds uh, good. So I... Told, I just wanted to mention real quick, I, um, I had texted a couple of you guys and said that Corey was on a recent episode of the ID10T podcast, which is Chris Hardwick's podcast, um, formerly known as the Nerdist podcast. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was on there talking about the album. And at the end, he did a, an acoustic performance of Highway 666. Is pretty cool.
2: Excellent. What did he have to say oh. about the album on uh, Hardwick's
3: I guess. mean, just he was talking about, you know, like the timetable work got moved way up because he said they were going to start it in like January of next year, but since they were sitting around, he, his, he was like, "My travel schedule got cleared, so I had nothing to do, so we decided to just do it now. so So I mean, you know, stuff like that. He, he didn't they really didn't talk about the album a ton. I mean, mm-hmm. them mostly just kind of chit chatting pretty cool.
2: Yeah, he had talked about um when uh We Are Not Your Kind came out and they were doing the tour cycle that he had written all of these singles for his own record and during that time he had talked about probably not doing any more Stone Sour for a while and he after that tour cycle was over he was going to do his own record. So it totally makes sense when COVID hit that the tour was shut down completely, so um He went on to his own individual music. I've noticed, before we get into actually our views of what the record is all about, I've noticed on uh, Facebook groups, on Twitter, some people who are like hardcore Slipknot fans being ridiculously unfair about this record, that he's somehow a sellout, he's not making the same kind of music. And then I think to myself, if you go back 20 years The first Spider-Man movie had a song called Bother. That was not exactly a Slipknot song. And then he had Through Glass. Those were songs that he had with Stone Sour that were completely the opposite end of Slipknot. So it's not like he's changed who he is. He just has different versions of himself. And so this is a totally different version of himself that appears on this record. And uh, I think there's a lot of different versions here, actually. So what do you guys think? Yeah. yeah. Go, Go ahead, ahead. Monday. Well, no,
3: no, I... I insist. I insist. <laughs> no, you. No, you. No, you. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of, that's one of the main notes that I made on each song going through this is like they all, I'm like, oh, this one feels like kind of like this. This one feels kind of like this. And it is kind of all over the place. And that is one thing he did touch on on the ID10T episode was you know he was like sometimes i want to write this kind of song sometimes i want to write this kind of you know it's not all slip all the time it's not all stone sour all the time i've got all this stuff in me and i just want to get it out so right here we go
0: <laughs> yeah i i got reminded of a couple of things i mean like for instance some of the the tunes i mean it's pretty much if you were to categorize the whole thing it's straight up a hard rock album Mm-hmm. and it just kind of reminded me of that era of like when wayne's world had bands riffing and there's like kind of the blues heavy influenced riff rock going on um kind of reminded me of riding the himalaya at the fair and, you know that kind of rock going on mm-hmm. and that's not an insult you know it was fun times fun fun music and i'm also equally kind of reminded of when bruce dickinson uh, stepped away from Made and, and started doing some solo work too, because it was outside of what you heard. It wasn't the whole yeah. medieval vibe or anything like that. He was just really stepping up with his chops and laying out his vocal performance on top of some great guitar work and great band work. So um, I think that that's kind of a testament to who Corey Taylor is as a as a talented musician, as a talented vocalist. And I thought that it was really fun to hear him explore a lot of different grooves and, and different sound beds beneath him mm-hmm. essentially
3: oh you touched on the, you mentioned the Himalaya mm-hmm. and that you know <laughs> not being an insult and I, I will say rarely have I ever loved a song as much as when you're on the Himalaya and they would play Nazareth's Hair of the Dog <laughs> that's, that's gold right there Are you ready to go yeah. faster? Scream <laughs> <laughs>
2: right there was definitely an old school vibe on a lot of the songs um if you go through the record i mean you've got like highway 666 has kind of like this little bluesy edge uh black eyes blue couldn't be any more pop rock um but the sweet spot for me was when silverfish hit and then kansas which kansas could have been a total rock song in the 80s fit perfectly and then culture head which might be the best song in the record slammed and then uh maria fire it's just i mean home the the ballad um Mm -hmm. oh my gosh it was just like when that when song number six hit the rest of the record was like solid gold and it was all 80s rock and then pop and blues and hit them all and i think he did it really well
1: yeah it's funny because that was the point too that i started taking those same notes like on uh I thought Kansas had like a black sheet to frame by Bob mold feel mm-hmm. uh culture head I swear that beginning starts out like range get rage against the machine um I go back and listen to it is that a wall pedal wah, wah. Wah, 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 wah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it was just like eighties and like the Maria fire had kind of like a stray cat's type groove even yes rockabilly's mm-hmm. very yeah. rockabilly. Mm-hmm. so uh but yeah I mean I, after it after it slowed down, was it a uh, silverfish that was
3: slow
2: yeah it was no, fairly home. slow
3: yeah home. yeah
2: well Helm was no. the slowest but silverfish yeah, yeah. started to slow the record down a little bit
3: a little bit yeah Yeah,
1: so yeah i mean I, I enjoyed the record anyway but the back half of it was definitely super entertaining for me
3: yeah there's only kansas actually i did not care for that song it's really the only one on the album i really didn't care for that much everything else i really enjoyed i mean uh you said silverfish thought and had a little bit of an allison chains vibe
2: i can I see that interesting yeah.
3: yeah 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 i really did and i uh tony you mentioned maria fire that was yeah I, totally i like that one i love rockabilly music mm-hmm. and i was like this is pretty much a rockabilly song it's pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. cool <laughs> kind of had that kind of had that swing to it and pretty awesome mm-hmm. and man culture head i You know, it starts out with that cool wah riff and then that bass tone, man. Jason Christopher is an absolute badass. If you don't know him, look him (laughs) up. He's been in some amazing bands. Uh, We've seen him with Prong. I actually met him once with Prong and uh, I felt bad because I was kind of punishing him and he was sick as a dog, but (laughs) I didn't let that stop me um <laughs> but uh yeah he's played with like ministry and uh, all kinds of crazy bands but he's been cory's like bff for quite a while i think but yeah he's he's an absolute badass on the bass and he sounds great on culture head yeah
0: I, I need to get his autobiography too he's got a book out that's really cool
3: yeah yeah
2: excellent home it's interesting because home is you know he's on the piano and then some strings come in later. Um, but I don't know if you've looked at the set list or anything from the CMFT show they did at the Forum. Uh, but there's some slow songs too, like Zizek's Road, which is an old Stone Sour song. He plays piano on the whole time. is really good. And he plays Snuff, where he just starts off with the acoustic guitar. So there's a part of him that really enjoys that kind of low-key, playing the slow instrumentals. Um I thought home was really a sweet spot on this one
3: yeah i I love that song um I think his voice on that song is pretty ridiculous it you know he emotes very well in the song, and he he always has that little scratchy edge and on the on the you know the back end of his voice it sounds really great singing that kind of stuff so uh yeah i i really really liked home.
2: Can you guys figure yeah. out why in the world they didn't start off with CMFT? as the number one song. You mean Is on it, the record? It should have been lo- the logical first song.
1: Yeah, but mm. I I don't know that I would have. It would have set the tone the same for me.
3: <laughs> yeah, I feel like they did right, kind of putting it at the end. Like it, you kind of throw all these different flavors out there, and then at the end, you're like, we're just gonna have fun now. So
2: yeah, if, you, That's you, made this, if you made it, this fun. <laughs> yeah i just seem weird after home that uh can i have eh. your attention <laughs> and then it started i feel
3: you know honestly it feels like home is the end of the show and then the next two songs are the encore
2: yeah i could be
3: could i mean be. we're just gonna come back out and you know get in your face and have have fun with it
2: yeah oddly enough the european tour bus bathroom song <laughs> made it onto the live show
3: <laughs> did
2: it really yeah seriously it did <laughs>
3: That's funny. Well, it's only two minutes,
2: so. <laughs> uh, it they did um, a cover for Motorhead.
3: Nice. Which one? Um,
2: Eagles. Um, hold on. Let me. I'm gonna pull up the. Uh, I'm gonna pull up the set list for you guys.
3: I hope they didn't play Ace of Spades.
2: They may have. Will it make that's, you upset if they the did? That's the go-to. Uh, I mean, it is Motorhead. the go-to, but he he really wanted to to do a – you know, lend me some justice. And he did They have so
3: many motorhead has so many great songs and ace of spades is an absolute iconic classic. It Mm -hmm. is, but they have so many good songs, right? Body count covered it on the last one, I believe. Yes. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: Okay. So I have the uh, set list and they uh, covered already gone from the Eagles.
3: Oh, wow. On the dark side.
2: From John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band.
3: Yes, I love that song so much. I
2: know. Yeah, that was the encore. That was the first encore. Awesome. Um, (laughs) It was really kind of a low-key show, which is weird. They even played Taciturn, which is a really slow number from Stone Sour, right after they played Snuff. So, And they played, are you ready for this? Shaken from Eddie Money.
3: Nice. Yeah, so...
2: I can't wait to to see it all. But yeah, 23 songs, and they finished the show closer was European Tour Bathroom song, and then CMFT Must Be Stopped.
0: Nice. That's cool. Yeah. And it just sounds like he's having a good time. You know what I mean? He's kind of paying tribute to a lot of what got him going. Yeah. <laughs> and that's always fascinating to me, especially nowadays. I was going through a kick of wanting to listen to – Stuff that got me started, you know, of course, Metallica and stuff like that. But going further, Hendrix, you know, Jimmy Page, that sort of thing. Well, what got them started? You know, Mm go deeper into that cycle, and and that's that's the beauty of it. Sometimes you take a fresher look. It's like, okay, I can see where person X gets uh, some of that that ideology musically, if you will, from that kind of thing. So just you learn what what makes people tick, and and that's that's fascinating. Speaking of, I saw again this video has been out for a while it was like nuno tom morello scott ian yes and, uh, brad paisley they're doing the yep. uh game, game of, of thrones, thrones theme mm-hmm. and then at the time i watched it and kind of dismissed it because yeah that's cool game of thrones was on that kind of stuff but sat sat down and really paid attention to it and just watched everybody riff and it was just super cool especially seeing nuno again because he's a yeah. badass and a monster yep. guitar player all of them are for that matter yeah just just super fascinating to see everybody do their thing with each other and not like step on each other's toes, fit in nicely, that sort of thing. And that's Uh kind of what I feel like what Corey's doing here is the fact that everybody has a little room to breathe. Jason does on the bass and the band, everybody just sits nicely in the pocket.
1: Speaking of things we used to listen to, did you guys get a Megadeth vibe on highway 666?
3: Yeah. Not Well, maybe, maybe like, uh, maybe euthanasia era. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I that that song actually, it it didn't really sound like this, but it kind of gave me uh, a little hint of the old. Like the the country story songs that used to be popular, mm-hmm. like Devil mm-hmm. Went Down to Georgia, and yeah. you know uh, mm-hmm. a lot of that kind of stuff. But they they'd always have big big long stories, like they're almost talking through the story. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of cool, kind of cool that way.
2: Yeah, I kind of felt like Kansas was like the singer songwriter song as well, telling this story of the backroads of of uh, the United States, but.
1: Yeah, and that one hooked me lyrically when he said "down and out" in parts unknown, still alive but still alone. I thought that was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. And Paul, going back to what you said, um, you know, last year Bundy and I saw um, we were there for Ozzy, and we saw Slipknot. Uh, But I think what was really cool is because Ozzy gave Corey and Slipknot their start with you know, way back in the day in 1999 that he is touring with, you know, last year with Ozzy as, you know, with Stone Sour. Sour. He didn't have to do that. I mean, Mm -hmm. Slipknot sells out everywhere they go. He doesn't have to do that, but because he feels like he owes Ozzy for what he did, he toured Mm -hmm. with him and I thought that was really cool. And he makes that known as he does that. So
3: Yeah. Yeah. He definitely mentioned that on stage. Talked about Ozzy and Sharon and how much they meant to him and his career and stuff. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And, you know, speaking of Ozzy, Henry Rollins' stories are always very entertaining the time to (laughs) hang hang with him. (laughs) And William Shatner, for that matter. But that's that's all I (laughs) like.
2: Oh, Bill Shatner.
3: what What do you guys think of Black Eyes Blue? My take on that is it is super it's almost like squeaky clean like it is absolutely uber radio friendly Mm -hmm. that that is a straight up radio rock hit and i've heard it on the radio a couple times now but i also love it i really do (laughs) it's super catchy and it's just good like it's radio friendly but not in a bad way for Mm -hmm.
0: me the reverse piano gave me a Queen vibe there at the beginning for sure, and I, I thought that when I first heard it, I was actually cooking dinner and, and it was on on the speaker in the background. I kind of turned around and it was going through my Google speaker, so I asked, "What is this?" And it told me, you know, the song from Corey Taylor. I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I turned it up and started it over again and, and gave it a listen. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, and I just thought that. Everything chordally was like stacked and voiced really well. You know, mm-hmm. me, what I listened to and what I listened for. But I just, I really liked the way everything just melted together. And it, it's hooky, but it's also just weird enough that it couldn't be on radio at the same time as the chord.
3: I like the yeah. way the, uh, the vocals are stacked in the chorus. Sounds It sounds like there's just him and really great backing vocals. Mm-hmm. I imagine it's probably all him just kind of, you know, stacked mm-hmm. and harmonizing with himself, but it sounds yeah. so good.
2: Yeah, I, There's a part of him that's very corny, you know, like <laughs> that is very poppy, but yeah. um, I think that that part of him too comes through in all of his music, even in Slipknot when he's angry and He's talking about something from his life that's devastating. There still is that melodic hook in some ways. So I think that's just sort of in him. So I'm not surprised that it came out in that way.
1: Yeah. I mean, kind of full circle here because I feel like what we started talking about in the beginning was how different everything was, you know, and how different maybe it was from the other bands that he does too. So, but I loved it. I mean, I love the whole thing all the way through. And I feel like uh, that when I started watching him outside of Slipknot when like a lot of live stuff that he was doing and he does a ton of covers and, you know, like purple rain and all kinds of stuff. So it's not surprising to me. He's got, he's got to be influenced from, you know, 4,000 different sources Mm -hmm. and it kind of shows here.
3: One of my favorite covers that he's done is wicked game. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And And that's that's not easy either. No, man. No. No. So great.
2: That's about choices because people can't hit the Chris Isaac notes on that. So you have to make some decisions about how you're <clears throat> yeah. going to sing that song. But
3: and that it way. works, man. Corey's yeah. version works so, so well. Yeah.
1: But, yeah. And uh, I'm skeptical this? of, uh, sorry, I'm, just, I'm skeptical of Nine Channels coverage. You don't see that very often,
3: <laughs> but he
1: does a really good, something I could never have. I mean, it's pretty emotional. Okay. I've so, never heard that. Yeah.
2: You should check that out. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: definitely.
2: Have you guys heard the SpongeBob's uh, theme song?
3: <laughs>
2: no. yeah. he does it every time he does
0: a single show It's really oh yeah it's look it up it's great that's awesome you know it's <laughs> funny hilarious. because you say that and he seems like a real relatable guy like somebody mm-hmm. from the midwest that we could just be bros with in that regard and who comes to mind is a, a friend of ours tim who um is a great singer um brilliant artist that sort of thing but he sings a lot of different styles and, and it's funny because when we were recording and just kind of jamming and having a good time we started busting out firehouse tunes in practice one time and he's <laughs> belting them. it lo- absolutely eats that stuff up he loves rat he loves yeah. know, firehouse kiss and all that kind of stuff and it's just it's just funny to hear he's like dude you're doing so much more extreme stuff than that and he's like oh yeah well this, this, there's a lot more in my back pocket than just that you know And it's just cory's yeah. a lot like that too
3: Man, I miss Tim singing. Good yeah. God. Me too. So good. <laughs> Super talented. Yeah.
0: yeah. I was just happy to jam with him on, around New Year's. So that was a nice change yeah. of pace. Yeah, that was, was awesome.
3: That was great.
0: I think uh, a lot of,
2: <laughs> I think there's this image of Corey as being this egomaniac because he's in Slipknot, he's in Stone Sour, he's got his own stuff, he writes novels. So it's like every year he's got something coming out. But I think if you look at the video for CMFT, it's kind of a testament to what people think of him because how many people cameoed in that video?
3: Oh yeah, there were a ton of people. There was and a lot. Yeah, I was. I mean, I couldn't even keep track. And there was a few people in there I was not aware of who they were, but yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it was crazy. Did Is I dead air? Did I freeze up or <laughs> no? Did everybody no. just stop talking? No, I was just, I
0: was listening to you. We may have a little bit of a lag, actually. No, I was just but, trying to shut up for a minute.
1: <laughs> no, I was just waiting. I think everybody's just it's like a four-way stop where everybody's like, you
3: go, you go. Yeah. No. So yeah, so everybody loves Corey Taylor, apparently, because <laughs> <laughs> they were all in the video.
2: Yes. <laughs> okay, and I'm super stoked. And I've got my shirt on because I'm super excited tonight. But he just recently said that um he, he had spoken with clown and there are things working in the background for the next Slipknot record. And I knew that the last one had gone so well and people were so excited. The band was totally jazzed up. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited because last August we had Slipknot. We got this new record. We potentially have the all hope is gone unheard material. We've only heard one song from that. So that might come out and then, Got this new record coming out after this. So, super stoked. Gonna leave it there.
1: Okay. Well, let's ride that way. And you want to go ahead and give us your rating for this album?
2: Okay. So, my rating at this point is probably a four out of five. I'm gonna listen some more. I think the first half of the album lagged a little bit for me. I loved Highway 666. Um, It kind of dropped off a little bit. And then when Silverfish hit, picked up for me. So I'm going to keep listening and uh, it could pick up a little bit. I'm going to go with the four out of five.
1: Okay. It was almost right there with you. I gave it a 3.9. I definitely will listen again, but I felt like it was one of those albums where a couple of songs could be trimmed out of it, make it solid. Um, but I mean, I, but I love the fact that it was so eclectic and there was so much just like goodness in there. So uh, 3.9, bordering on 4.
3: Um, I'd probably give it a 4. I definitely want to listen through it a, l- a lot more. Um, I kind of want to dig into the lyrics on some of the songs because there's a couple of them that I-, I didn't catch or I maybe I just wasn't paying close enough attention. But, uh, yeah, i I'd give it a 4 out of 5. I really enjoyed it, and, I mean, there's a lot to sink my teeth into here, so good times excellent jpp
0: i too shall give it a four out of five i really enjoyed a lot of the riffage um i'm a huge fan of jason christopher um as a human being as well as uh just he's fun to watch play live and just hearing him belt out the bass on on the album was a, a good ride too um and you know what's funny is Slipknot wasn't a band that I was a huge fan of when they first came out. I personally kind of felt like that first record was a bit sloppy. And at the time, I was kind of heading in a different direction. So I really just didn't you know, focus on them at all. And mm-hmm. upon listening to it these days, I, I co- I've come to appreciate it. I've come to appreciate a lot of their work. So last album was fantastic. And uh, I'm growing to be a pretty big Corey Taylor fan across the board. So We'll be listening for sure, digging deeper and, and listening and looking out for the Nine Inch Nails cover you mentioned, Tony, as well as the SpongeBob cover.
1: Mm-hmm. So, And I just looked, my 3.9 was European, so translation to Americans of a four. So <laughs> <laughs> how,
0: how about them apples? Yeah. The european metric scale every time yeah, it's right
3: we don't do no metric system here boy
0: <laughs> but we got both kinds of music country and western That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh jpp which one will
2: we be covering next week will it be country or western
0: we will probably be focusing on the uh mediterranean influenced western music Okay.
2: <laughs> which, which means we have no idea what we are no. covering next
0: week, but we are
2: excited about it.
0: That's right. right. We've had a lot of opportunities to listen to some music, and, and we haven't had a chance to really talk about it, given the state of affairs and everybody's having hectic schedules. That said, um, anybody have a 10-second overview of the latest Marilyn Manson?
3: I don't love it. That's for sure. I, I didn't hear a lot on there that I could uh, – well, I take that back. The first song is killer. After yeah. that, it's like, falls off a cliff for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'm still a Marilyn Manson fan, but it's that's kind of been the MO lately is, like, one or two good songs. Mm-hmm. And I just – I don't know. I don't know if it's me changing or him not changing or the combination of two, but mm-hmm. uh, I mowed to it. I never turned it off. I gave it a listen, but I mm-hmm. – you know if I was going to rate it, it would probably
0: be a two and a half. Got it. Yeah. I was, I was listening to it and my wife came in and was like, what's this? I'm like, this is the new Marilyn Manson. That's Manson. You know, mm. she was completely taken back. Cause you know, she, last she heard was beautiful people, you know, that kind of thing. And <laughs> I, just, I really I, hadn't followed a lot either, but it yeah. was certainly uh, an interesting trip to say the least. I kind of felt like I was um, getting a heartfelt Manson that I wasn't used to.
3: Well, that's the thing uh. is like, it's almost like he's trying to, constantly um evolve and what which is fine Mm -hmm. but i feel like he doesn't have the voice to do that like he's trying to be heartfelt and whatever but the dude can't sing for shit no no like he's good like when i think of manson like i like the heavier manson where he's yelling screaming me and I, last great album of his that I absolutely love, top to bottom, is Golden Age of the Grotesque. That was love good. that album. After that, it's I, I I can't hang with him too much.
1: I also feel like that I even when he couldn't sing, like uh, yeah, when it was like slower songs, even on the on the better albums, the lyricism was good. Like it was like yeah he would string together something that was kind of poetic and weird and whatever. So it feels like lazy writing on top of can't sing on top of, you know, some mediocre music. So,
3: yeah. Well,
2: I, I don't know. I, I kind of liked it. It's one of those things where if you're going to compare it and say, was it like this? No, it was not like that. But I, I felt like every song was very listenable, very catchy. And I thought he had a point to make. It just, I guess if I was going to say one thing negative is if I'm listening to a Marilyn and Anson record, I, maybe I want to feel uncomfortable. Maybe it should make me feel uncomfortable. This didn't. But I, I feel like it still had a point. And it definitely sounds good. I'm guessing live it wouldn't sound good because he's not a great live singer. But listening to it, I never felt like one time, like, oh, God, this is awful. Like, I got to turn this off. That never crossed my mind at all. But I guess it just wasn't as biting as some of the previous ones that we liked.
3: I feel like maybe he's yeah. more sad than angry now. <laughs> that sounds fair. That's yeah. fair yeah, He's <laughs> not an angry young man anymore. Now he's just sad, bro. He's been
2: broken by the system.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: And buy some props
3: on stage.
0: <laughs> ouch. Very ouch teabags.
3: But see, it I would have probably been, it would have been perfect after that happened if he would have gotten up and covered Tori Amos's Crucify Me or Crucify. It's opportunity. <laughs> um
2: so I would say I'd probably give it a three point five. Okay. Because I really I I mean I did enjoy it. Um just on its own, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Cool. So
1: and completely off topic, does anybody else think that it looks like Steve has laser beam shooting out of his head? It does. <laughs> it's really That's incredible. That's all I've thought about <laughs> on show. <Yeah>. Okay.
2: Okay. <laughs> so so we took my uh, my sticky LED lights, and instead yeah. of putting them on the bottom, going up, mm-hmm. we stuck them on the top of the shelf, going down. Can you see?
0: Yeah. Would you look at that? I like it? It lights them
2: up. <laughs> yeah. We've got two more sets ordered. The whole thing is gonna be lit up. It's gonna be dope. Oh okay. cool. <laughs> you at home hate us because you can't see this. I just gotta keep yeah. my eyes lined up just perfectly. So,
3: so now your your shelves are gonna look like uh the front of every convenience store now. Pretty well, they much. might, but
2: <laughs> wait a minute. Oh, did that change? No. How about that? Oh, oh there you go. Yeah. How about that? You want some of that?
0: Purpley. Deal with that bitches. Nice.
3: Oh, you know I love <laughs> the purple.
2: Yeah.
0: Just just don't turn it green. It turns me on.
3: <laughs> oh snap. There it
2: is. Oh wait. Oh. <laughs> 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 Quick, wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Quick, white. That's awesome. All right. Well, anyway, I think that's the show for tonight. Uh, we have no idea what the challenge is next week. Uh, Tea bags will be delivering that because he sucked on uh, Lester Bangs this week, so he's just T- going to take over. Well, let's rephrase that. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Um,
3: <laughs> yes. Tea bags was Bangs? drooping this
2: week, and um,
3: <laughs> Lester Bangs are. is this uh, hard candy that we like. <laughs> okay, and we now have no have any idea better Monday. <laughs>
1: you say?
2: <laughs> I think we'll, we'll probably review something, right? We should. Yes. Perhaps. Yes. So come I back. Think if, there's, if there's
1: absolutely nothing to review, we should just give each other something to review like we've done in the past.
2: We will, cool. We'll figure that out by Monday. Yeah. Sounds good. It's good. All right. Gentlemen, if anybody out there, and it's not likely, would like to find any of us, where can we find you? <laughs> Metalhead Monday.
3: I'm on Instagram at Metalhead Monday.
2: And God knows why anybody would want to deal with tea bags, but where can we find you?
3: And...
0: All the best to you. Good luck.
2: Yeah. You can find me I'm... in the
0: bottom of your cup.
2: Um... <laughs> yes. But
1: yeah. No, I'll be on the uh, Wanderson and' will Gathering Facebook page.
0: Excellent. JPP. You can find me on Instagram under just plain Paul, all one word. Also, I'm hanging out at the Wanderings and Wool Gathering Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash wanderings and wool gathering. Any music updates this week? Not much. I've been riffing. I posted a new little jam on Instagram this week. Uh, Just kind of took a mental health break and fired up some MIDI gear and had a couple of pieces of synthesizers talking to each other and jamming on that for a while i've got a moog over here that i absolutely just every time i plug it in and do something new with it i fall in love with it all over again so um wasted a little too much time with that but it was worth it
2: okay and you can find those on uh, paul's instagram page and you can also find paul's music at the end of this program uh writing out the show right always excellent and uh i'm foggy's pal you can find me at twitter and instagram And you can find our show at iTunes, Spotify, CastBox, Stitcher, and rock985.com. After you listen, don't forget to subscribe to Wanderings and Wool Gathering because you don't want to miss an episode. Until next week, we'll see you then. Bye now.